for many, many years up at Calvary, Mount Lake Terrace, which was a church that blessed us because we would, uh, he was friends with Jason, our founding pastor, and we would take our group up there um, for their conference they would do in the fall every year, um, like all the people that served in the church, and it just was a blessing for many years. And then we've had Wayne down several times to teach at the church. And last time they were down here, uh, my wife and I got to hang out with him and his wife and get to know them and found out that we have a lot in common, including a love for all things Jane Austen. And so uh, they just tied us together forever. And so they have been married for many years, and they love the Lord, and so they have lots of wisdom to share with us. So I'm going to invite uh, Wayne up here to share this evening. So it's always a great joy to be with, with Christians that really love God and, and that want more and more of Him. That is, that's just what He's doing. He's, he's really working in your heart because there's no one who loves you like Him. And maybe you don't feel that yet, but... We don't always feel it, but it's always there. And he's proven it um, by his actions. And not just the past actions, of course, of his life, death, and resurrection, which was all God's gift for us, but even the things he's doing now and that he has a plan for your life. So we want to talk about love, relationships, and marriage according to the Maker's Manual. We want to <laughs> look at how the Maker says it needs to go how he wants it to go because god created people that's a good creation generally i mean <laughs> it got messed up you know but it it's amazing like we have 12 grandkids now and one is five months old is it five or four huh anyway he's so perfect and so amazing we think he was immaculately conceived i don't know you know but He's just such a fantastic little guy. And I know there's going to be real challenges. There is even now, you know, for his parents. And we babysit a lot. We haven't seen anything negative at all. <laughs> but in time, we will. Anyway, God makes people, even in the ordained way, through a father and a mother, which when you think about it, it's, it's amazing. We get to help God create a human. That, that's really a privilege and an honor, and it's quite a responsibility. And so most people are going to have a spouse, and probably everyone here pretty much has one or had one, maybe their past or maybe, you know, I don't know, every situation. Were singles invited to come? Or, oh, wow. That, how many singles do we have with us? Good. Super great. That's great. Well, We'll pause and say a few things to you guys at times, okay? But why? Why did the Lord do that? Create people and then give us a spouse. And then from that comes sons and daughters and comes a family. And the, and the reason is, is because he wants you and I to know and experience and learn a deep and real love that God wants to show you. You know, family... There's a verse in Ephesians that says that every generation of families came from God, every single one. And he's the, the father of all families, and he wants to be that father because it all began with him. And it was perfect until it wasn't, and it got messed up. And so God began to recreate, not just to put Band-Aids on people or take away their their sadness or whatever, but 
He wants to show them how he wants it to be, even now. So he's, he's recreating, literally. If any person is placed in relationship with, the G, with Jesus Christ, they are a new creation. The moment you're placed by God because of your believing in Jesus and that God sent him for you, he places you in him. And if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And the old things start passing away. And new things come until it's all new, which will be when we die. <laughs> you say, no, I'm already there, Wayne. <laughs> See, now that's a sin to say that almost. Because you're guilty of at least one sin, lying. So none of us is, is perfect, but growing in Christ. And he's the one that's doing that work. We're his workmanship. You know, a lot of us, we get up and we go to work in the day. The Lord, he doesn't sleep, but each day he's working on you. He's working on me. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared beforehand. So he's got this plan for your life. And then he's brought together many of you, most of you, almost all of us, with a spouse. And so he's got a plan. And to really understand how God wants to bless us with his love, he wants us to conduct the relationships that we have according to his guidance, according to the manual. And the Bible's the bestseller of all time. And so it, he lays it out. Now, when God created our world, you know, for six days, he made something, you know, let there be light. There was light. And then he he made the water and he made the land and he made the fruit and vegetables. Isn't that awesome? God gave us fruit and vegetables and they taste really good. Some of them, you know, <laughs> but they're good for you and they're tasty. Generally, God could have made it really bland, you know, like, for example, the children of Israel. They ate manna in the wilderness for 40 years, mainly so that they wouldn't start hankering after Egyptian food and Egyptian ways, because that's what happened when they were in Egypt. They got all caught up in the whole, let's eat, drink, and be merry thing with the Egyptians. And no, the Lord was taking them to the promised land because he was going to use a nation, a people, to bring forth his own son who would bring salvation for all of us. So, and then on the fifth day, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and then the fish, the birds, and the animals. And later on that sixth day was man. And every time the Lord say, and it was good. It was good. And then when it was all made, including woman, it was very good, very good good and so each time the lord paused and just admired what he did <laughs> do you ever do that anyone you you've got a job and you just go i am good that, that is that is awesome god did that he says it is good and then he said it's not good for a man to be alone 
God said that. Now, God had given Abraham a couple jobs before a woman was made. And it's good to have a job before you get married. <laughs> Women love that, you know. <laughs> if you're a lazy bum, it only goes so far, you know. Your looks are only going to go so far with, without a few dineros. But anyway, he had a job, and um, one of the jobs was taking care of the garden. And another one was naming the animals. And I think it would have been fun to name the animals. I don't know how he did it. Um, I don't even know if he actually gave, for example, the gooey duck his name. Like, we have that in the Northwest. You guys have that here? We have it up there a lot. It's just a real, it looks worse than Job of the Hut. It's just really, so I don't know how he got that name. Um, hippopotamus, you know, I could see that. Your hips are big, hippopotamus. I could. So I don't know how he did it. You stink, you're a skunk. Somehow he, he started naming the animals. But one thing he may have noticed and that was, they were almost all in pairs, each one. And it's through the animals, through most of the animals that, again, they're, they're working with God and creating more of themselves. And so um, he said it's not good. So I wanted to say to the singles, generally, unless you have a strong gift of celibacy and of calling that you can handle it and you can be without a spouse, then generally for everyone else, he has a spouse. And one of the things is to have a family. You know, part of, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm in my, I'm 73 now. And so he's like showing me that my family is my greatest treasure other than Jesus. They're, they're my greatest treasure, and I'm so thankful for them. And he, the Lord's blessed Kathy and I tremendously with them. And so he, he put the man to sleep, and he took something out of the side of man, it says. It says a rib. It could have been a rib. We know that his body was made by the dust and the dirt, and with just some something out of the side of Abraham, or excuse me, out of uh, the side of Adam, um, it was less dirt than, than Adam had. Let's put it that way. He, just, he took less, but he made more <laughs> in a sense, you know? It's like he took what he made out of the side of the woman, and he made, or out of the side of the man, and he made the woman. In other words... He did some operations. And I've noticed, in terms of a metaphor here, he's had to do several operations in me. I've had trouble with my temper, with anger. I was raised by a raging alcoholic who, I mean, it was cruel, some of the things that went on. And I wasn't aware of much of anything. I, I was... I noticed as I was getting older, I was getting madder and wanting to beat people up more. 
and stuff like that and always had a real competitive attitude and hated to lose and all that sort of thing. But I, I wasn't aware that it was coming out in real negative ways until Kathy said, how come you're so angry all the time? And I'm, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not angry. Why do you say that? And then I realized I was angry because she had enough love to say why. And I, at some point, was willing to listen. And so I brought it before the Lord, and he's been working on it. And there's been a lot of change, a lot of growth. It's not completely cured, but it's, you know, mostly compared to what it was. So, and there were fears, a lot of fears. You know, like I worried because he, he would come home drunk and beat up my mom. And so when I was staying overnight with a friend, I couldn't even stay overnight with my friends because I was afraid my mom was getting beat up. And I didn't think about that as a kid, like, oh, there's a lot of fear getting instilled in me now. And I don't want to go to a psychiatrist right now either. But I want to go to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't go to a psychiatrist. You go to a Christian counselor or psychiatrist or something like that, that m might be helpful. And there have been certainly some brothers and sisters who counseled with me and been a tremendous help. So the Lord, he can, he can work in those things. But I'll tell you right now that for me, in the most sad and painful things that I've grown to, to see change, it's been Jesus who's changed it. It's been the Lord who's changed it. And he has the power to completely change it. Now, you might have a lot of fear in your life. You might have a lot of sadness and temper. One thing is certain. We all, in our own way, have attitudes of, of selfishness and self-preservation or even exaltation in our own way. We want to be significant. It's not, it's not wrong to want to have meaning in life. And there's no one who can give you meaning and significance in life like Jesus. Because you are his bride and his treasure. He's going to marry us for all eternity. Yikes. That's why, I mean, I'm glad I'm going to see Kathy up in heaven. And I don't, I kind of would like to have a close friendship up there. But I'm going to be with Jesus too. And she is too. And it's going to be different. But the amazing thing is, the Lord described it as being like marriage. And you know, I want to encourage you regarding how bad the world's getting. I mean, there's nothing really to be encouraged by that except that. He said that in the last days, perilous times will come. Bad times. Dark times. There's going to be judgments because people are going to be accountable for how they've lived their life. You will not stand before God guiltless without Jesus. I'm telling you right now, I would not want to stand before God without Jesus. That's, that's the first part. You need his salvation. But from there, he's got this wonderful thing, and he wants to transform your heart, 
I love how the, the marriage exhortation in Ephesians chapter 5, it starts with speaking to everyone, and it says, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of Christ. Do you know that's the first part of the marriage passage? Not, not wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Do you know that that verse, Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. The word submit is not even in that sentence. It borrows from the sentence before. Verse 21, it says, all of you submit yourselves one to another, talking about in the body of Christ, but also in the family. You know, think of, of Jesus coming along and totally changing the culture of the world. And saying women are as valuable as men. Really? Now, there's differences and different callings and things like that. But all of you, be subject to one another. Submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your own husbands. That's the exact wording. The words borrowed from the previous verse. Wives to your own husbands. So, and then it says, husbands, love your wives. Now, listen to this. This is hard. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself as a sacrifice before God for, for the church. Yeah, husbands, just be like Jesus. Go die on that cross, man. You know what I mean? Bite your tongue, and, and no matter how you feel you're being treated, you just give lo that love back, you absorb it, and you say, I love you no matter what, and I'm going to serve you. I think we have the harder part as husbands. Now, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's not a hard job if the guy's not a jerk. But if he is a jerk, you're really making it hard. It's a pain. And have mercy, all right? So Jesus, help me. And that's what I've been praying for, for some time. And he's, he's, he has really been helping. And I'm, I can't thank him enough. Now, the Lord wants to bless people with a spouse. And then from there, he has families that he wants to create. But he also has a plan for each individual. The main thing is, is God sees your need. And he sees in his perception of who you are, which is the right one. This is what I have for you. He has really great plans for you. There's not one person in the body of Christ or in the church of God that he doesn't have significant, meaningful life for. He's got something special for you. He's going to use you to, to bless people and help people and love people. Family and marriage is such a fantastic thing. It's just crazy. And if you let the Lord do some operations in your heart, and gals, you let the Lord do some fashioning of the woman, not outwardly but inwardly to come out from the heart. We all, we all know you're already beautiful. And getting a little more, that's okay, whatever, you know. 
Just do what you got to do. But that fashioning, <laughs> that fashioning thing inside, he fashioned the woman. And so that's his plan. Now, why do I bring that up? Sometimes both the husband or the wife could, could be subject to this. Um, we could think, we could kind of put all our expectations on our spouse. Your spouse cannot be what you want him to be. He, you're not going to, that guy's not going to be perfect. That gal is not going to be perfect. The only person that can be God is God. And the only person who can be your savior is Jesus. Now, the Bible does say, you know, save your wife as Christ, you know, in a sense, you're there to protect and save. But in another sense, only Jesus can save you. Okay, now let's look at the prime examples that are lifted up in the early parts of the Bible. Abraham. Abraham and Sarah. Right? Okay, so Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham, he was called the friend of God, and he was just an amazing guy. You know, he, the world was so corrupt. And he was one of the very few people that, that believed in the true God. And the Lord showed himself to Abraham. And he said, I want you to move away from here. From Ur of the Chaldees. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. Now, this was a man who believed. And thinking and praying about it, he believed God showed him that. So he got up and he went. He went. And he, him and Sarah and Lot. And they went. And a lot of people think, you know, Abraham was such a godly man. He was, he just was close to being perfect, just incredible. No, he had a lot of fear. One thing he feared was someone would steal his wife. So he lied and said, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Well, that's being protective, isn't it? You know, twice he did this. Abraham, the father of all of us who believe, the father of those who trust God, the true God. He's the father, and he was an amazing man of God. But he told Pharaoh, for example, they went down to Egypt, and he said, he said to himself, she is so cute. He's going to ask her to be part of the harem. And he's going to kill me <laughs> if I don't do it. So I'm just going to tell him. He's so he told the Pharaoh through whatever channels. I don't know. But he said, she's my sister. So he took her into his harem. How many think that's really a godly thing? How many think, I admire that guy's faith? No. How do you think? She felt being in the harem, hoping that Pharaoh never takes a step towards her. And then the same thing happened in the land of Gerar with King. Uh, what was the guy's name? It's Abimelech. That's I almost had it, but then I forgot it. OK, Abimelech, same thing. She took he took her into his harem. All because of Abraham. Because he said, she's my sister. What's he thinking? Any, anyone here can explain what he's thinking? Huh? 
Yeah, he's half lie. He they were related, but they were husband and wife as well. You know. Oh, brother. So she was in a bad way, and neither Abimelech nor Pharaoh touched him, touched Sarah. Why? God protected Sarah. Your husband is not going to be so great that he can fulfill all your, your needs and all of that through him. No, Jesus does that. You know, one time I was talking to Kathy and I was going, Hun, I am so sad. I'm just going through such sad times and and it's your fault. <laughs> I said that. Remember that, hun? I said, and you're why? I'm sad all the time. How would, how would you like your husband to say that? You know, you're my wife and I'm sad all the time. Thanks to you. And she said, you know what she said? She said, well, Pastor Wayne. <laughs> she said, you know, I heard a message one time. And she said, the person was teaching from Colossians 2, 9, and 10. And it, and it said that in Christ, in Christ, the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. And in him, we are made full. And when that person that was speaking, Wayne, said those things, and he explained that if, if something's wrong in your life, it's not someone else's fault, it's your fault. Especially in marriage. Not to blame other people, but that's what we do. We put them up on a pedestal, and sometimes we do blame them, and that's what I was doing. And so then she shared with me that verse and, and said, and I heard that message from you, Wayne, thanks. And you said that if you're having trouble in your Christian walk and you're feeling incomplete, it's not because of someone else. It's because of you, because Jesus wants to give that to you himself. And I go, that's the best message I've ever heard. <laughs> I had to receive it. I mean, it was, you know, you're getting up there and you're preaching and and your wife says, I'd like you to practice what you preach. Would you try that? It's a little hard, but it's good because the Lord uses us. You know, he uses us as husband and wife like sandpaper to smooth out and to transform and to change. So prayer for your spouse, prayer for your wife, prayer for your husband and then letting the Lord use you as best as possible to show them what you can do. But mainly, God's going to do it. He's going to change their lives. Now, Sarah was a feisty woman. In fact, her name, original name, was, was Sarai, which means domineering. What does Sarah mean? It means princess. Sarai means domineering. It means you're a dominator. It's like you're a dictator kind of thing. Yeah. And then God changed her name. You know, there are so many people in the Bible where God changed their name. And every person in the Bible that believed in Jesus, he changed them. 
He might change your name just so that you'll remember he cha he's changing you. He might do that. He does that even now sometimes with people. But I want to encourage you. He wants to do that transforming work. Don't think your husband is going to be able to pull it off and make it great. You know, some people think that if, you know, someone like Abraham would have been a total blessing to live with. What a husband, man. You know, people have said that to, about me to Kathy. She said, it must be so cool to, to have a husband that's a godly man and just loves the Lord like, you're, like Wayne does. <laughs> and you know how Sarah went aside and laughed? <laughs> and that brings us to one more story about Abraham and Sarah. Well, I'll tell two right in a row. She's, when they go towards the promised land, she's 65. And Abraham is 75. And they're to go to the promised land because I've got plans for you. I'm going to show you more and more of myself and what my plan is for your, for your, you know, your, your family right on out until the Messiah comes. And so she's 65 when she leaves. Now she's, or excuse me, he was 75. So now he's 76. Or no, that's wrong. 75. Now he's 80. He's, what's 11 plus? It's 11 years after 75. 86. Okay, he's 86. And Sarah is 76. Okay, so it's been 11 years. And she gets an idea. And she goes up to Abraham and she says, hey, I've talked to my maidservant, and she has agreed with this, and that is Hagar is willing to have relations with you, and through you, because I'm barren, I can't bear a child, but through you, she says we can have the child, and that way, this child that we're looking forward to, the one God promised us, we can help him fulfill that promise, and he won't have to lift a finger. So what do you think, Abraham? Should we do it? And Abraham goes, well, um, you're saying go into Hague? Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> See, there, <laughs> there's two times when Sarah wanted Abraham to listen to her. On that time, he listened, but he didn't listen to God. It is so important to listen to your wife, but you must listen to God first. And whether you be a wife or a husband, it needs to be filtered through what you know of what God is saying. And if so, if they communicate, this is what God would have us do, and you see it in, in God's word, you should do it. God will use them. And that brings us to the second one. In this case, this first one, though, she missed it. She missed it. She tried to usurp. She thought of a plan, but it wasn't God's plan. Because you see, and this comes to the second one, when God finally did bless them with the child, it took miracles. 
Why? Because Isaac was going to be a type of the Messiah. And that he was even going to ask Abraham to offer him on the altar to show this is a type of the Messiah. Now, he didn't offer him on the altar because God stopped him and said, don't. I just wanted to see if you'd do it. Because I'm going to do it for you with my son. Now, Hagar, as Ishmael got older and older, she was, she was getting cocky. And, and both her and Ishmael were making fun of Sarah. Oh, you can't have a baby. You can't have a baby, that sort of thing. And Sarah said, you get out of here. He goes over to Abraham, get, get her out of here. She's done. I don't want her around anymore. And, and Abraham goes, no, but, but we have a son, remember? Ishmael, he's, he's our son. He's the fulfillment of the promise. No, he's not going to be the one. And then Abraham, on this occasion, went and prayed. And the Lord said, don't. Do exactly what you Go and I'll take care of Ishmael and Hagar. But I want you to send him away. Because that is my plan. Because I am going to give you that son. And now Abraham's 99 years old. I am going to give you that son. Both you and Sarah. She's 89 now. But when she's 90 and you're 100, I'm going to give you that son. And in the lineage of that son, I'm going to give my son. So I want you to do what your wife said. What if he would have screwed up and, and gave the favored status to Ishmael? You know, they, the Ishmaelites and the Israelites have been fighting ever since. They're still fighting today. The Jews and the Arabs generally fighting. You know who's bringing them together, though, here on this earth? Christianity. There are many Messianic Jews and, and many Christian Arabs. And they love the Lord together. It's so sweet. So he could have failed badly, but he listened to God. So the biggest thing, and I just want to close with this. We need to cultivate that closeness with Jesus. Your wife's depending on it. She needs that. She needs you to really be close to Jesus. Your husband needs, needs you to be there with him and encouraging him because, you know, he's got things. And my wife's super helpful to me in, in things. But I have to learn to hold my tongue when, I'm, when I need to. And for the sake of each other and true love, this is where, what we're growing in. We're growing in the likeness of Jesus. And we won't grow in the likeness of Jesus if we just say, well, that's just me. And I can't help myself. No, you can't. But Jesus can. And that, how does that happen? It happens based on Galatians 2.20. I. In Greek, it's ego. Ego is crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, ego, who lives, but Christ who's living in me. And the life that I'm now living, I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, every day to 
help me through these fears, these sadnesses every day and helping me through these disappointments, this sense of shame or failure or whatever it is that you struggle with. Jesus is the cure. And his grace is the cure. Now in about 11 days, it's St. Patrick's, or no, St. Valentine's Day. St. <laughs> Valentine's Day. And you know, Valentine is a wonderful Christian. And I, I just want to tell you this last story about him. And that is, he was a believer in the 200s. And they called him St. Valentine. He, he became a priest and a pastor. And it was in central Italy in a place called Terni. And he was made a bishop, which was like a pastor over many churches and pastors. And the Roman Empire hated zealous Christians back then. Literally just hated them and wanted to kill them. Just to let you know, about six million were killed between the first and the third century. Six million Christians were martyred. And Valentine was this devoted Christian, and he, he was under this particular judge um, named Judge Asterius in the city of Turni. He was a very powerful judge. He, um, he liked this guy Valentine, though, because Valentine... Um, cared about his family and just, you know, wanted to say, you know, I'm supportive of you, but please have mercy on us kind of thing. So he made him under house arrest. So he was his own, like his own priest. And then one day he told his um, friend, St. Valentine, he said, you know, I have an adopted daughter that's blind. And you've been telling me how Jesus heals blind people. If you go and pray for my, my daughter and the Lord heals her, I, I will certainly, seriously take, would you pray for my daughter? He said, sure, I'll pray for your daughter. And he'd been reading her scriptures about Jesus healing people, including blind people. And so she went, he went with her, to her and with her, her father, the judge, prayed for her, and the moment he said, Lord, we pray that you will heal her in Jesus' name, and she could see immediately. And that man became a Christian. He, he, he emptied the prisons of all Christians and, and gave them grace. Then he was called to go to Rome and to talk to the Caesar there. Claudius II, and he too liked Valentine. But this is what he said. Please, you have to, you have to say you no longer believe. Because they called the Christians, they called them atheists. Did you know that? Isn't that weird? These days, it's exactly the opposite. You know, it's, it's atheists that you know, we're, we're trying to reach, we're trying to bring them to know God. But back then, they believed in the Roman gods. You know, like Thor and all these guys that you see on Marvel Comics, pretty much. You know, so that you that really love that, you're backslidden. But anyway. <laughs> Actually, they're pretty good movies. But it's nice to know they're cartoons. 
right? Anyway, they were serving, in reality, these, these false gods. And he says, you have to renounce Jesus and say, I believe in, in Zeus or Jupiter or whatever it was. And he said, I won't. I will never. And he said, well, then I will have to take you and have multiple strong men beat you to death. He said, okay, I'll never deny my Lord. And he sent out a letter to this daughter of Asterius, Judge Asterius. And he told her, I, I'm, my days are short here on this earth, but I wanted you to know how much I enjoyed you. They, they be, had become friends. And, um, and so we may not see each other here on this planet again, but we'll see each other again. Yours always, Valentine. That's the first time anyone said, you're my Valentine kind of thing. You know? <laughs> True story. And so that's why, you know, people send and give Valentines. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for giving us Jesus. Lord, thank you that the Holy Spirit of our Savior and the Holy Spirit of God is the one who can change our steps and change the feelings and focus of our heart and take that vision off of ourselves and put it on you and your heart for our families, our spouses, and our neighbors, and that you have a plan for our life, and you're going to use us if we're willing. And let's just end this time tonight. Let's all stand and ask the Lord that he would fill us afresh and anew, fill us and empower us with his Holy Spirit. Just in your own way, just ask the Lord, Jesus, fill me. Maybe you don't even um, have yet a close faith relationship with Jesus. Ask him for that. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Just say that quietly right where you're at. I believe you died for my sins. I thank you for bearing my judgment by being punished yourself in my place. Thank you. Just, just tell him, thank you for that. And I want you to be my Lord. I want you to show me your love. Show me your ways. That new creation, make me new. Not more religious. No, just to have this relationship with the true creator of my very life and my very breath. You know, your breath, your next breath, it's in his hands. He knows when the last one will be. Just ask him to take over and just that you belong to him. And now let's just ask him to fill us with his spirit.
You guys can stay standing. We're going to um, do a one or two more songs of worship just to close out. But um, something that stuck out to me that Wayne said that fit, I'm just sensing maybe it's a word for somebody in here was just um, when he was talking about how when we're feeling unfulfilled, when we're feeling disappointed in our spouses or, or whatnot, unsatisfied, if you will, it's not our spouse's fault. And inevitably, it's because we're looking for them to be some sort of fulfillment in our lives that they were never meant to be. I mean, the reality is, yes, they're not perfect, but hopefully there's not a single person in here that would sit there and say that they are. We all realize we're not. That's why we've realized our need to be saved, but that our need for Jesus, right? So it's not that you're unfulfilled because they're imperfect. You never could be fulfilled in somebody imperfect. You can only be fulfilled by somebody that is perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. And when we get that, when we realize that, when we are looking to Jesus correctly, when he is our focus, then we're fulfilled. Then we find everything we're looking for, the things we can't find in this world anywhere, let alone our spouse. And so, you know, this is why what we're doing now, breaking away to be together, seeking Jesus together with our spouses is so good and right for us and something that we don't just do here. Hopefully we do it every day. And I'm just going to give you guys some homework to do as you kind of drive back home or you go to your rooms tonight because one of the things that can happen when our focus is in the wrong place, we, we see negatives in our spouse, the things, the operations that God's still performing. But I'm going to encourage you to just have a moment of prayer with your spouse and praise the Lord for the things, the good things in them, the operations the Lord's already performed, the things you're thankful for. Just focus on that because that, that, that's why God gave them to you, the, the blessing they're supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Amen.